This podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv. Your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of February 26, 2017. The podcast that claims reality as prior art. This is your host, Jane Killian, and returning this week is Ibrahim Zaloom. Welcome back, Ibrahim. Pleasure's mine. Let's syllabify the news of the bogus. So, returning to the saga of Kim.com, the creator of Mega Upload who's been accused of being the worst pirate since Edward Teach... The New Zealand High Court has said that he can be extradited, just not on copyright grounds. One gets the sense that they're doing the equivalent of firing canister at, at the poor guy. You know, if one ball misses, you got five or six others waiting for him. Yeah, they like doing that, the shotgun approach. Mm-hmm. So Justice Marie Gilbert found that there is no copyright crime in New Zealand that would allow .com and his co-defendants to be extradited, quote, one of the central issues in the case is whether copyright infringement by digital online communication of copyright-protected works to members of the public is a criminal offense in New Zealand under the Copyright Act. The High Court has held that it is not, contrary to the conclusion reached in the District Court. The appellants have therefore succeeded with one of the main planks of their case. And we talked about that before. There's no criminal secondary copyright infringement in either U.S. or New Zealand law. It's not going to stop him from trying. <laughs> <laughs> However, Gilbert also found that there were other aspects of the case that .com could be extradited on, such as conspiracy to defraud, but once you take out the copyright issue, where's the fraud? I mean, the claim of fraud is based entirely on the idea that mega upload users infringed on copyrights, but it's not a crime to conspire to do something that isn't a crime. So if the court says the copyright part doesn't constitute a crime, how does the conspiracy part? But Shane, you're making a huge mistake when asking that question. You're assuming that the U.S. government gives a shit. But it's not just them, it's this justice. Him too. The, the, the legalistic mindset does not tolerate ambiguity or uh, closely related cases. No, um, they got to find every possible opportunity to try you and convict you where possible. Uh, that's why they have 13 charges in the first place instead of just one charge, which would be the main charge, the copyright one. So if that gets dropped, they have another 12 to go. And if another one gets dropped, it's another 11. And it's going to take him years before he can safely escape deportation, uh, Mr. Dot Com here. There's a very good chance in the meantime that he may end up getting extradited on one of those accounts. And then he'll have to face trial in the U.S., and uh, if that happens, uh, I'm not very optimistic about his chances in court around here. Yeah. Well, according to .com, quote, I'm no longer getting extradited for copyright. We won on that. I'm now getting extradited for a law that doesn't even apply. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that copyright charges can't be fraud charges. Let's just ignore that minor detail over here in New Zealand. The High Court has accepted that Parliament made a clear and deliberate decision not to criminalize this type of alleged conduct by Internet service providers, making them not responsible for the acts of their users. For the Court to then permit the same conduct to be categorized as a type of fraud, in our view, disrupts Parliament's clear intent. 
The High Court decision means that Parliament's intended protection for Internet service providers is now illusory. That will be a concern for Internet service providers and impact on everyone's access to the Internet. This is kind of like charging a, a landlord with rape because one of his tenants raped somebody. Yeah, or conspiracy to commit or whatever. Yeah, just because he happens to be renting to the criminal. Right. That just doesn't make sense. It's not fair. It's not just. Yeah. But they don't care anyways. So .com's lawyer, Ron Mansfield, has said that it's not over. They're going to the Court of Appeal, quote, we remain confident that this last point, which could prevent extradition in this complex and unprecedented legal case, will be resolved in Kim's favor in a manner consistent with Parliament's intent, international law, and, importantly one might think, the United States' own law. Of course, the other side's probably going to appeal the first part of the ruling, and depending on what happens in the Court of Appeal, it could go on to the New Zealand Supreme Court, and after that, the Minister of Justice, so we may be in for another few years of this. Yeah, I, I just can't help but feel sorry for the guy. Just This is one of the issues with copyright. I mean, uh, who, whose property, uh, you know, so-called intellectual property, are they actually defending in this case? The guy hasn't actively uh, pirated anything. He's just created a file hosting website that people can upload to. That works almost exactly like Dropbox and the others work. Exactly. And the only difference is that, unlike those, Mega Upload had particularly lenient limits on what to upload. You can upload very large files in there. And apparently this seems to be enough for these people to just assume that he's out to make money off of piracy and all that so-called piracy anyways. And, and of course, this completely uh, ignores the fact that the word piracy is pretty absurd. I mean, if you want a real pirate, go off the coast of Somalia or something. They'll show you what a real pirate looks like and how they behave. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins, and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary-aged children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. Okay, so while the previous story was about a threat to freedom of speech and basic justice, this one is actually pretty funny. How many of you have been on the immensely popular pirate site mp3toys.xyz? Raise your hand. Uh, not seeing any hands again. Hmm. Yeah, I've never been there. <laughs> <laughs> and you know why? Because it's not immensely popular. In fact, hardly anyone ever goes there. But... It is the site with the second most DMCA takedown requests into Google next to four shared, almost 49.5 million URLs. This, despite MP3 Toys being ranked by Alexa as the 25 millionth most popular website. 
It's basically, from what I can tell, it's an aggregator. It's looking around the internet for other links to give people in response to search terms. And some of the reported infringing links include mp3toys.xyz slash h slash albums slash classical slash you've hyphen changed hyphen casia hyphen cole or mp3toys.xyz slash h slash album slash classical slash you hyphen matter hyphen two hyphen me hyphen kiss or mp3toys.xyz slash h slash album slash classical slash word hyphen up hyphen corn. The problem is those URLs don't really exist. It's a search engine, and the way it works is it uses that last part of the URL after the last slash as the search term instead of using a get variable like a lot of others do. So, like that last one, you're actually telling it to search for word up corn instead of getting a URL that was specifically created to serve that content. Try it. Type in mp3toys.xyz slash h slash album slash classical slash bogosity hyphen is hyphen the hyphen greatest hyphen podcast hyphen ever. And you'll see, you'll get a valid looking page with a bunch of search results. Wow. They're just auto-generating links based on, you know, whatever that last bit of content is that they know about. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're like, okay, <laughs> someone might have a URL word up corn where they have this infringing content, so we'll see if that's there. Hey, look, it's there. Let's send that on to Google as a DMCA takedown request. Wow. <laughs> Even if there's no evidence whatsoever that anyone else actually went to that URL ever. I mean, it's just dynamically generated. You know, uh, my reaction right now is roughly equivalent to... Um General Washington's account uh, reaction when he found out the Continental Army only had enough uh, gunpowder for a handful of shots for each man. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Why, why not DMCA Google.com or Yahoo.com or any of the other big search engines? I don't even think a human being looked at these. It's hard to see what the results have to do with the search terms. It doesn't seem like you're really all that likely to find the thing that's actually in the search term. And apparently no effort was made to make sure there even was any infringing content on the page before sending the DMCA request onto Google. But according to the DMCA, Google has to take down each and every one of those URLs, even if they don't exist in any real practical sense. Either the uh, people who enforced the DMCA have sent robots to hack the website for Lord knows what reason, or the person who's sending these notices hates the person who founded the website and just wants to get back at them, so they, he puts all these DMCA notices No, I against. think they're actually doing the DMCA thing and going, hey, wow, look at this, there's all these infringing links, and they don't even realize what the site's actually doing. So it's like a more incompetent version of the Manchuria incident where the Japanese blew up a railroad and said the Chinese done it. What <laughs> <laughs> uh. wasn't there one time, I don't remember if it was the Japanese or someone like that, they had this plan to like blow up this railroad to stop the enemy from using it to ship it, and they blew it up, and it turned out it was the wrong one, and they weren't even really using that one at all they were using. Uh, it was probably them, actually. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah there, were, there was something like that. That's what this is. There's this 
you know, railroad tracks over there with grass growing up around it and all that sort of stuff. We'll blow up that one. Yeah, that would be a very accurate simulation of um, what just happened with the website. Only no bombs are actually involved, just DMCA news. So a tiny site with virtually no traffic and not much actual use in finding copyrighted material ended up getting more DMCA takedown requests than the Pirate Bay. Arr. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to say at this point. It's it's that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.bogosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. So, one thing we libertarians generally don't get from statists is, without government, who would clear the roads? But that's probably because they just didn't get there. I'm sure they would say that if, say, a tree falls across a four-lane highway, we need government crews to come and clear it away. Except, we don't. At least, travelers on Highway 17 in Santa Cruz, California didn't need them when a tree did fall across the road blocking all lanes in both directions. Well, that must have held up traffic for a few hours. Well, we'll, we'll get into the details. Uh, a large fir tree fell as the result of a storm with high winds. It was about three in the afternoon. According to traveler Liza Miller, quote, I was maybe the seventh car back. It took me a while to realize what I was looking at. There was this giant tree across all lanes, and people were jumping out of their cars and running up there. I thought a car was trapped, but people had just begun instinctually clearing the highway. And apparently it started when a man got a 20-inch chainsaw from his vehicle and just began cutting off branches. Others spontaneously got out of their cars to help clear the debris. According to Miller, quote, Some people brought out brooms and began sweeping. There was this amazing sense of, let's just get it done. We can do this. It was this intense group instinct. Everyone just had this incredible sense of purpose. I've actually read the article, and from what I gather, they were able to do it pretty quickly as well. Yeah, things really got going when a guy with a larger chainsaw started cross-cutting the tree. Volunteers dragged those enormous logs out of the roadway in groups of 10. In about 45 minutes, the southbound lanes were clear. To give you a comparison, it took two days. Uh, not There was a incident where uh, there was a fire on... In one of the buildings off the road in Midland, it took the council workers over there two days to actually do anything about it. Wow. Yeah. I used to drive along the various highways that run east to west in Texas, and they usually have private contractors as well to do the stuff for them. And um, small stretches of road that should only have taken no more than a week, uh, I'd drive through, and two months later, they're still doing the same thing, and it's actually gotten worse, as if uh, it just won't stop. So, so 
in light of this, I, I, I'm wondering if we can't take these uh, good people from California and bring them over to Texas so that they can renovate the roads for us. Well, actually, that's interesting because looking through the comments, there were a lot of people from Texas who said that that sort of thing happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just doesn't make the news. No, it doesn't. While I haven't seen it myself, I'm sure it's pretty common over there precisely because the government workers over there, or at least the contractors, are practically useless. It's usually the private people in Texas who are uh, worth uh, actually put any trouble into clearing the roads. Now, I haven't seen it myself mostly because Texas is such a big state and most of the highways are actually empty, so you don't see anything. Yeah, I've driven through it. it empty is a good word for it. Yeah, so at some point, the fire department arrived and people just kept working and helped the fire department and the entire road had been cleared by 4.30 an hour and a half after the tree fell and in time to avoid rush hour delays. Excellent. I'm telling you, we should replace all government and contracted works with these people. (laughs) (laughs) Just let them naturally do this. They're clearly much more efficient. Yeah, it's good and it's doubly good considering we've covered stories of people being fined or even arrested for doing things like clearing roads or filling potholes that the government refuses to fix. And also it's a continuation of incredibly uh, good stories like the people who renovated a road in Hawaii, uh, the Russian fruit smugglers who built an actual highway in Belarus. Yep. Clearly criminals and private citizens alike are far more efficient than the government. Uh, especially since it's California. I mean, they didn't have a permit for those chainsaws. The people who cleared off the wood weren't members of the logging union and they weren't wearing proper safety equipment and California let them get away with it? I doubt they're that strict. So, uh, yeah, they seem to be. <laughs> there is a reason it's referred to as the People's Republic of California. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but again, this shows that private individuals can actually do a better job than uh, government officials can. If a group of fruit smugglers can create a highway where the Russian government has and the Belarusian government has have respectively failed to do so in record time, if the uh, people in Hawaii can fix a road that uh, the government over there has done almost nothing about, and of course, if the Californians can and Texans can clear blocks in their roads. Yeah, and don't forget the guy in England where there was a part of the road that was out and the government sent them like an hour and a half out of their way through a housing development and this one guy just rented some farmland and made a half-mile toll road to go around it. So in light of that, I'm, I'm wondering, what do we need these people for to maintain the roads again? Yeah, I don't know. They seem completely unnecessary and even wasteful. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. 
Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to subclassify this week's biggest bogun emitter. And this week it goes to the Association for Los Angeles Deputy Sheriffs, the labor union for deputies in L.A. We've talked about the difficulty in getting the public's right to know about police with criminal histories respected or even defense attorneys, but now it seems they don't even want that information available to prosecutors. Wait, why? Aren't they supposed to be on the same side or something? You would think, but in California, the criminal and personnel records of the police are basically sealed secrets. They've been able to keep that information secret, even from prosecutors. The L.A. Sheriff's Department put together a list of 300 of its own deputies with records of misconduct. The union has used the courts to stop them from passing those names along to prosecutors. Could it be because it shows that the... Uh Police labor union is covering up uh, the actions of corrupt and inefficient and incompetent cops? Well, I can't help thinking that if a prosecutor had that list and he was prosecuting a case involving an officer on that list, he would be duty-bound to pass that information along to the defense so the defense can use it to impeach the officer on the stand, as is absolutely the defendant's right. So it kind of smacks of stopping defense counsels from receiving exculpatory information on purpose. I mean, have, have they learned nothing from uh, previous high-profile cases where police corruption and police uh, ineptitude have led to the acquittal of uh, guilty people or otherwise the uh, conviction of innocent people? Well, yeah, like there was this one case in Chicago. There was an officer's misconduct resulted in a man being wrongfully convicted of murder and... Despite knowing the officer's long history of conduct, the city promoted him to commander. Yeah, and, and it's not the only example. I mean, there's a very high-profile example, which I'm sure you're aware of, of police uh, misconduct, uh, which surfaced, and because it had been covered for so long, it led to the acquittal of a certain uh, white bronco-riding uh, defendant. Oh, that's true, yeah, yeah. Because the lead police officer in the case was a racist neo-Nazi. and Yeah, and... and the thing is, you got to know about these histories of misconducts and biases and all that in advance. That way, if uh, stuff like that happens, uh, you can, again, the defense can use it in their favor. But also, if you're trying to hide it, it just makes the thing worse. Because if I recall correctly, in the O.J. Simpson trial, which is what this is referred to, obviously, it took a while for that to surface. And when it surfaced, as I recall correctly, there were initial denials of this. And then it, uh, the full truth came out, and of course uh, the defense team took advantage of this. Had this been known in advance, they might have the police department would have assigned another detective, and then they would have a more airtight case. So it hurts the policeman as much as it does the defendant, in my opinion. And in and in the end, everybody ends up losing in the justice system because there is no justice being delivered. Everybody gets wronged on some level. Yeah, and a lot of the evidence was from a recording he made with a reporter in North Carolina, my home state. And so the defense team had to come over here to North Carolina to try to, and it was a big fight just to get their hands on this tape with all of this evidence that would impeach this horrible racist police officer. Yeah. I suspect it isn't so much that he was a racist as much as it was the mess that it took to get this uh, evidence that ended up uh, swaying the jury in favor of the defense. Yeah, I don't think it was just that, but that was definitely part of it. I mean, Mark Furman, they, the prosecution relied so much on Mark Furman, and that was a mistake. Yeah. 
So, like I said, had this been public knowledge in advance, the prosecution might have done something about it. Right. They would have known not, maybe not even to put him on the stand. And That's the main point I'm making. Not only does it hurt defendants because they don't know what's going to happen, you can end up jeopardizing an otherwise well-supported uh, well case. Now, I'm not going to say that O.J. Simpson was guilty or not. The jury has spoken on that subject. It, it was definitely not otherwise well-supported. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have as much as they claimed they had. Exactly. But at the same time, the lack of accountability in this respect did him more harm than good. Yeah. But the union claims that doing so would, quote, draw unfair scrutiny on deputies whose mistakes might have happened long ago. But that's a question for a jury or at least a judge in an evidentiary hearing, not law enforcement themselves. And also, it's not as if the police actually respect anyone else's privacy that way. When they've got a weak case, they want to take the jury pool. They pass along the suspect's entire criminal record to the news media, no matter how long ago it happened. Yeah, it makes a farce out of the entire justice system uh, when you do not know who is your accuser, when you can't do anything against them, when you can't say anything against them. The thing that gets me is the LASD is trying to do the right thing here and make sure prosecutors know about this and then the union steps in to stop them. Uh, yeah, and that, that highlights what happens when unions become uh, uh, affected by government money. And this is a public sector union anyway. Yeah. And further, this union is going to be run by police officers, so they have a vested interest in trying to uh, keep this information hidden. So this case might have to go all the way to the California Supreme Court, just like the L.A. Times had to go to the California Supreme Court to get law enforcement agencies just to give them the names of officers involved in shootings. <sighs> the fact that it has to go to the California Supreme Court tells us that there's something horribly wrong with the justice system over there. So all of that makes the Association for Los Angeles Deputy Sheriffs this week's biggest bogani emitter. Bogosity.tv gives you great ways to shop at Amazon. Clear your cookies and go to Amazon.Bogosity.tv and you won't pay a penny more for your purchase. Or go to Prime.Bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial of Amazon Prime and enjoy thousands of movies and TV episodes, borrow Kindle books, and get unlimited two-day shipping for free. And speaking of Kindle, Go to kindle.bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial to Kindle Unlimited. Read over 1 million books and listen to thousands of audiobooks on any device. Or go to home.bogosity.tv to try Amazon Home Services. Over a thousand different services from quality hand-picked pros, from house cleaning to equipment and furniture assembly, plumbing, electrical, painting, and other handyman services, all backed by Amazon's happiness guarantee. And as always, check the right-hand side of the podcast page for special Amazon deals. And now it's time to festinate this week's Idiot Extraordinary! Last week, we brought you the story of a NASA scientist who was detained at the border until he unlocked his government-issued phone, which U.S. Customs and Border Protection didn't have clearance to look at. All your mobile phones are belong to me. <laughs> Senator Ron Wyden is pointing out what should have been obvious a long time ago. Actions like that make us less safe because it distracts CBP from focusing on actual threats, as Chris pointed out last week, but I think I might have edited out. Sorry about that, Chris. 
So, Wyden wrote a letter to Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly saying he's working on legislation that would require border agents to get a warrant before searching devices and would also prohibit forcing travelers to reveal their unlock codes and other passcodes. Quote, These reports are deeply troubling, particularly in light of your recent comments suggesting that CBP might begin demanding social media passwords from visitors to the United States. With those passwords, CBP may then be able to log into accounts and access data that they would otherwise only be able to get from Internet companies with a warrant. Circumventing the normal protections for such private information is simply unacceptable. So uh, to translate the uh, proposal of the geniuses who just won the idiot extraordinaire, all your passwords are belong to us and your rights mean nothing to us. Mine are encrypted in LastPass. Good luck with that. What's your Facebook password? I have no idea. <laughs> they can't force me to tell them something I don't know. Wyden wants constitutional protections to apply everywhere, whereas it currently doesn't within a hundred miles of a land or coastal border, sometimes called the Constitution-Free Zone, and that covers about two-thirds of the U.S. population. His legislation would stop random, arbitrary stops and searches and respect the Fourth and Fifth Amendments even in these border zones. Quote, these digital dragnet border search practices weaken our national and economic security. Indiscriminate digital searches distract CBP from its core mission and needlessly divert agency resources away from those who truly threaten our nation. I frankly find it highly questionable that there is a 100-mile zone beyond the border where there is no constitutional uh, right applied. Because um, last I heard, the constitutional the laws in the Constitution are supposed to apply to every area behind the border. Yeah, and I think it was John Stossel who pointed out that a lot of people who are Americans and American citizens, they live in America and they work in America, but you know they have to drive on this road to get to work, and so they have to go through a border crossing to get to work, okay. even though they're not actually going into Mexico at any point. Yeah, and this also happens in Canada, especially after 9-11. Uh, there's, for example, this one town that the border runs through the uh, city library, and uh, some of the stories I heard from there are pretty uh, interesting, to put it mildly. There is some place in Europe, like uh, Belgium and Denmark, maybe, something, or Holland, something like that, where the border is actually marked on the pavement that goes like right through the middle of this cafe. Mm -hmm. I forget which two countries it is, but it's somewhere there. Yeah, I, know, I heard about that city, but I don't know if the border control there is quite as strict, because they're in the Eurozone. Yeah. So. But CBP is still claiming basically carte blanche to search whatever, whenever. Wyden is calling them on it and asking them five questions. One, what legal authority permits CBP to ask for or demand as a condition of entry that a U.S. person disclose their social media or email account password? Two, how is CBP use of a traveler's password to gain access to data stored in the cloud consistent with the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act? Three, what legal authority permits CBP to ask for or demand as a condition of entry that a U.S. person turn over their device, PIN, or password to gain access to encrypted data? How are such demands consistent with the Fifth Amendment? 4. How many times in each calendar year, 2012 through 2016, did CBP personnel ask for or demand as a condition of entry that a U.S. person disclose a smartphone or computer password or otherwise provide access to a locked smartphone or computer? How many times has this occurred since January 20, 2017? 5. How many times in each calendar year, 2012 to 2016, 
Did CBP personnel ask for or demand as a condition of entry that a U.S. person disclose a social media or email account password or otherwise provide CBP personnel access to data stored in an online account? How many times has this occurred since January 20, 2017? And for all five questions, the CPP will answer, we don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see if he gets any answers or if his legislation goes anywhere. Hopefully it does. Yeah, th- those are actually very good questions, and um, they they pretty much uh, strike at the very heart of um, the idea of border control as currently proposed by the CPB and ultimately the Department of Homeland Security. And um, hopefully, uh, if if he does get anywhere with this, and unfortunately I, with the Trump presidency, I doubt it will. But if he does go through with this and is successful. It should hopefully at least begin to reverse some of the damage done by the creation and administration of the Department of Homeland Security and all associated agencies such as the CPP, the TSA, and so forth. But either way, by engaging in this unbelievable distraction that actually goes against their stated purpose of making us safer, U.S. Customs and Border Protection takes this week's Idiot Well, that wraps up this Would I Blow Everyone's Mind If I Ate Dessert First edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come join the discussion at forum.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate using the links on the website or the QR codes in the thumbnail, or become a patron at patreon.bogosity.tv and get the podcast and YouTube videos early and without ads or promos. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Ibrahim Zaloom for joining me. Anytime. Until next time, here's a quote from H.L. Mencken. Every decent man is ashamed of the government he lives under. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Want answers to creationist claims against evolution? Would you like to know more about evolution yourself, or even engage creationists more directly, with actual peer-reviewed sources to back you up? My book, How Evolution is Scientific, is designed to show the basics of evolutionary theory and how it is so well supported using the scientific method. It's impeccably sourced, with references to the actual scientific material, and is arranged using the creationists' own criteria of what is scientific. Using their own arguments against them, see how evolution is scientific, but creationism is not. Based on observations, accurate predictions, logic, and evidence. Get answers to common creationist claims, and even a primer on abiogenesis, the start of all life. It's all in my book, How Evolution is Scientific, available at Amazon, and on Kindle, EPUB, and PDF as well. Get How Evolution is Scientific and Never Be Taken In by Creationists Again. Yeah, he's about right. I've been ashamed of every government I've been under my whole life. (laughs) How many is that? Uh, Three of them, actually. (laughs) Okay, so Jordan, U.S., and what? Kuwait. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're all shameful in their own way. Yeah. So It kind of reminds me of when that one reporter asked Gary Johnson who his favorite world leader was 
and actually thought it was bad that he couldn't answer. It's like, we're libertarians. We don't like world leaders. The way I describe the three governments, Kuwait is a, a very corrupt and vile government with the laziest bureaucrats imaginable. Jordan has an okay executive, but everything else is a complete mess. And, um, and, uh, America, well, America's America. You, you already know the problem with that one. Yeah. So all three, uh, governments inspire shame on some great level. And of course, in the Arab world, both governments are, you know, the Jordanian and Kuwaiti ones are both pretty corrupt. Jordan's one of the more honest ones and still more corrupt than most European countries. Yeah. Even in Eastern Europe, if you can believe that. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, 